So the big question is this. How do most agents who don't have access to the secrets that most successful agents hoard to themselves grow and prosper in today's competitive real estate environment? That's the question. And this podcast will give you the answers. I'm Pat Hyben, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Rockstar Nation, thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to stay to the end, where our guests will be offering a free gift. As you know, all of our guests offer a free gift, and all of these gifts can be found on the Agent Success Toolbox. You could find that by going to hybendigital.com backslash toolbox or simply texting the word toolbox to 444-999. That's toolbox to 444-999. I am going to put today's free gift in today's show notes, but if you want all of them, including gifts from most of our guests that have come on the show, just go to the Agent Success Toolbox. Hey, so it's Paul Morris, and I am hosting Real Estate Rockstars today, and absolutely delighted to have an amazing guest that's going to uh, give us lots of great insights and that's Justin Feichelson. And probably the first thing that I'll do is, uh, go ahead, Justin, just just uh, introduce yourself to the audience and, and tell us a brief history about you. Yeah, uh, Justin Feichelson, born and raised in San Francisco. I've been a real estate agent going on a decade. I've been with several different companies from Pacific Union, now part of Compass, to Sotheby's, to a couple of boutiques, uh, and I went off on my own and decided to do my own brokerage a couple years ago. Got it. Um, I also start on a million dollar listing, San Francisco. Right, 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 right. I love it. Now, what, what was it that, uh, that drew you to real estate to begin with? Well, I've always been interested in real estate. I remember as a kid, uh, maybe like eighth, ninth grade, uh, middle school, high school, looking in the free, there were these free real estate times magazines that agents would advertise in that would be on the street and uh, looking through there, fantasizing about which one I'd buy for myself or which one would be a perfect flip, this type of thing. Uh -huh. And so originally I was going to go into finance or something, uh, save my money and then invest in real estate. And I ended up meeting an agent who was a big luxury agent in the city. And I realized I'm going to the same parties as this guy. We have a lot of mutual contacts. Why not? And I'm ultimately interested in real estate. It's my passion, people and real estate. Uh, it's a perfect fit to be an agent. It's a social business. Uh, you do a lot of your deals from personal relationships. Um, and obviously, I had a passion for real estate. So it wasn't for me a situation where I didn't know what else to do or I saw it on TV or, or something like that. I genuinely loved residential real estate because it's such a tangible tangible investment. And then, of course, you have all the design and architectural uh, beauty right. of you know, a house or a condo. Right, right, right. It, so it sounds like you really have it in your blood, uh, thinking about it from that young of an age. That's, that's, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, definitely. Hey, so let me get down to uh, sort of the, the nitty-gritty of the business and you know, the, the numbers of your business – what, what sort of business have you done in the last 12 months? So, you know, volume, I know you're a luxury agent. So uh, in terms of units, it's probably not as many as some of our guests, but volume, uh, that's yeah. interesting too. 
Yeah, I, I don't do bulk. And all of my business for the most part is word of mouth and relationship based or friends of friends or referrals or meeting someone in an open house. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, the other thing that I learned is for me, at least, and everyone's different, I, I think that focusing on your competition is the wrong way to go about it. I don't like comparing myself to others. I don't care about other people's numbers or where they're ranking. You know, obviously, everybody, as we all know, is, is, is ranked in their bio as a top 1%, who knows 1% of what. I, I just, I, especially when I went off, went off on my own, I think the more I focus on doing my own business and growing my own business, the, the faster my own personal business grows. Um, so I think where your energy and focus is going is, is really important. And the more that's directed towards your own business versus focusing on comparing yourself, the faster you're going you're gonna to succeed. Got it. Got it. Got yeah. It. So maybe numbers wise, I don't know. I, I actually, actually, I never really know until um, my wife ends up telling me um, how much business I've done. I don't focus on it. I don't really care how many deals I, I again to focus on my business. I think this year it's probably been about maybe close to 40 deals, something like that. But again, my average price point is pretty high because we're in San Francisco and I'm not doing bulk. Right. Wow. Still, still 40 deals uh, this year or you're talking about last 12 months or no, I'd say in the last, honestly, I probably done 35 deals in the last six months. Wow. Okay. All right, that's uh, yeah, that. and 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 the other thing is I don't have a team. Um, obviously, uh, the new thing is to have a team. I, it's pretty much just myself, an assistant, and a transaction coordinator, and then I outsource all my marketing services to the best in class. So, obviously, again, uh, you know, when you have a team of ten people, which is essentially a brokerage, you you could pump your numbers up. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 I totally get it. So if you've, wow, 35 in the last six months, that's crazy. Can, can you give me just roughly, what would your, uh, first of all, what would your average sale price be if we kind of took 35 times the total? And then I know, I, I, my guess would be you have a pretty wide range. So like your, your, your biggest one's probably an outlier. And then maybe, maybe you know, you still are doing, uh, you know, a few lower end deals for friends yeah. or whatever. I'd say, you know, the majority of my business is definitely sub $5 million. Uh -huh. um, but, you know, that's just where the market is most active and most liquid. Um, you know, a, a house that's 10 million plus may sit there for a while, especially in a, you know, it is a bit of a slower market right now, which is a bit seasonal as well. But, um, you know, the houses in San Francisco that are sub 5 million are moving very fast. Uh, right. I just sold something last week for four and a half and that, that, I mean, it, you know, it takes a couple of weeks pretty much. And then you'll get a non-contingent offer in a two-week close. Um, wow. So I think that's something that makes San Francisco very different uh, for, in comparison to LA, for example, or the rest of the country. Is, it's very rare to get an offer with contingencies. Maybe you'll get a finance contingency, but you're never going to get inspections. You'll provide inspections up front, uh, but there's very little way to provide an offer with inspections and expect to get uh, it accepted. Okay. All right. So that, that, uh, that answers, uh, that answers one, uh, one pretty cool question that I think, you know, your market is super competitive, um, at that price point. So you have to go in there and you have to, uh, you have to, you have to beat the, beat the other, other folks to, to, uh, do that. Yeah. So, well, I mean, yeah, in most competitive situations, especially in that two, $3 million range, you might get, uh, 
you know, you might get five to seven offers and you have to know how do you, how are you going to, I think this is where the value proposition comes in as an agent. It's not as much finding the property. I mean, yes, we have access to off markets, but the reality is information is so accessible, even off market listings now that a lot of times clients end up seeing it themselves the minute it gets on Redfin or Zillow. Uh, I think the role of the agent is much more about advisor and advice and getting an agent, getting a client in the contract. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I encountered someone the other day who I met in an open house and they were going to use some discount service. And they were saying, well, I already I can find the property myself. You know, why should I pay a big commission? But the reality is that discount service, one, doesn't have the agent relationships in a small place like San Francisco. And two, they're not going to know, there's no way they're going to know how to gauge what price to come in at to get that client into contract. They're either going to have them overpay or they're going to waste their time by losing out on multiple offers, multiple mm -hmm. properties. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally, I totally get that. That's, that's a great value. Hey, just uh, to take one step back, what would you say is your split between listings and, uh, and buyers? I'd say it's about 50-50. Maybe okay. I probably end up representing more buyers than sellers just because you know I have probably... I have probably have 40 something buyers that I'm technically working with right now on a list. Mm -hmm. um, obviously some are more um, serious than others, but probably 50, 50. I have one client that I've done, you know, three transactions with this year between him and his family. But it's, it's a, it's a mix and it should be a mix. You know I mean? There's, there's, there's pluses and minuses. It's great having a listing. Obviously you pick up people at an open house. It's guaranteed to sell more or less, but mm -hmm. you know, buyers can be great as well. I, I met a couple at an open house six months ago and I ended up selling their condo for a record price and then putting them into place. And now I'm representing their parents and buying a place. So, I, you know, both can be great. And most of the buyers will end up converting the sellers. You know, I'd say the average client I have in San Francisco, people don't stay there that long. You know, it's a very transient city. So some of them buy, I had one client move to LA. He had bought here, lived at a place for a year, bought another place in Marin County, lived there for six months and then moved. Um, that happens all the time. It's not like it used to be 30 years ago where people are sitting in their homes forever. Right, 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 right. I got it. Now, just for uh, some advice for the, for the listeners, you know, because, and I, I appreciate, I, I think we can learn stuff from, you know, we can learn stuff from the Midwest where you got somebody that does a crazy number of uh, transactions and, and likewise learn, uh, learn something different here. When you go with a buyer and you know you're at a very competitive uh, price point, what are some tips for the listeners that you can give to get, your, uh, to get your deal to the top of that pile? Now, I already heard one of them, which I got to tell you is news to me and it's very cool. And that's that you're going to do some of the due diligence in advance so that you can go in with a cleaner offer. So tell uh, me definitely other stuff. I mean, what I usually do. So in San Francisco, it's very typical that if it's a competitive place, you usually have it on for a week or two and then you take, have an offer date. So you'll say Wednesday by noon. Um, mm -hmm. and, that, and they're often underpriced properties in San Francisco deliberately to drive up the uh -huh. price. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's important to have a discussion with the client and tell them that, listen, this is, the asking price comps, if you look at comps, are higher than the asking price. They're setting an offer date because it's going to be competitive. I will usually talk to the agent. I'll look at comps. I'll have my own experience. And then I'll talk to the agent usually one or two days before the offer date. And I'll gauge how many disclosure packages are out. So, you know, if you're serious about a property, you're going to have a, ask for a disclosure package. Yeah. If, let's say the property, just as a rough example off the top of my head, let's say it's listed at you know, 1.5 and there's 10 disclosures out and the offer date is tomorrow, 
I'm going to guess that there's probably on the low end, two offers on the high end, five offers. Mm -hmm. So this is probably roughly going to be in that range. So I usually give my client a range. I'll say, well, I think it's going to go on the low end for 1.65 and on the high end, 1.9. Yeah. I'll usually give them a range and I'll say, this is your percentage of getting it here. This is your percentage of getting there. I'll write up whatever offer you want. You're not wasting my time, uh, but this is my professional opinion. And uh, more often, I am pretty much always spot on with that just from experience. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's a, a mix between talking to the agent, gauging interest level, how many disclosures are out, and then just sheer experience, really. Mm -hmm. So you're sharing all that with your client and saying, hey, right. listen, you know, uh, I, I really think that you know, if you, if you really want this place, you want to get into the 90 plus percent range of getting an yes. offer accepted. You know, I talked to the other agent. I know that this many people are looking at it. I've done my, I've done the comparative analysis, da, 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 da. Here's where I think you should go. But I like the way you said, uh, you know, but just, I'll do whatever you want me to do, but here's my advice. Well, that's what I do. Ultimately, I'm not here to tell them what to do. I'm just, presenting the facts. This is what the range it's going to go in. It's up to you if you want to go under the range or whatever you want to do. You know, and then there's other things that are important to offer, a clean offer, faster close. So I have a particular lender who has her own underwriter. So I know that, you know, if she says 21 day close, she could do 21. A 21 day close may just doesn't sound like a big difference between 30 day, but it is a big difference in the eye. If you have a bunch of offers and one is a 20 day close clean offer, it's a lot more desirable than 30 day close. Yeah. Yeah. And then when you work with somebody, so there's another tip really is, is working with a lender that you, uh, that you trust because having done a bunch of deals myself, I can tell you that they always promise one thing and deliver another thing that then puts the agent right. and the client in a fix. It's exactly right. So find that lender who really delivers every time. I mean, the one I have I said, she has her own underwriter, so I know she could deliver, but you, you want to find someone that's reliable really is in, is, is in touch and connected at their company so that they can get it done when they say they can get it done. So otherwise, frankly, it's going to be a bad reflection on you. Right. Tribeofmillionaires.com. Guys, write that down. Rockstar Nation got a free special offer for you. Now, I've just written a book, and it's just been published co-authored it with David Osborne who's been on this show multiple times if you don't know David he is one of the top execs at Keller Williams real estate was personally mentored for the last two decades by Gary Keller himself and he's in all kinds of businesses his bio and explanation and everything is in this book but anyways David and I got together we decided to write a book we called it tribe of millionaires and I guarantee you it's gonna change your life to find out more, just go to tribeofmillionaires.com. We're going to give it to you absolutely free. Only thing we ask in return is, of course, number one, you pay the shipping. Not a big deal. But number two, that you go on Amazon and write us a review. We're really looking to get an incredible amount of reviews. And because of that, we're giving this book away for free. Go to tribeofmillionaires.com today. Okay, I'm right. I'm writing all this down. This is this is uh, this is this is good stuff because often, you know, often what will happen is, um, you know, people view one lender the same as another, and then you just have okay. Well, if I can get a quarter point cheaper with, you know, a big bank right, or exactly. whatever, 
And I get that. Yes. I, I, I get that too. But I mean, I always tell clients like, do you want to get in contract? And if you want to get in a contract, getting a lender who can definitely do a 21 day or less close mm -hmm. is going, it's going to make your offer much, much more competitive. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, is it better to get that, you know, discount on your rate or get in a contract? And are you, uh, are you lowering the, uh, the due diligence period and how do you, how do you do that? So typically in San Francisco, I can't speak for other markets, but in San Francisco, almost always you'll provide inspections. The seller will provide inspections up front. Uh -huh. okay. um, so like if I'm listing someone's place, I always get inspections unless it's like a new development condo. I'll always say we have to pay for, you know, past and general inspection mm -hmm. so that you're basically providing the potential buyer up front with a third party inspection mm -hmm. um, that you've spent a few hundred dollars on so that they don't have to do it. If a property doesn't have inspections, well, it's definitely more of a risk, but you know, there are situations there where it's really competitive too. And you just assume the risk, uh, but it's, you know, it's never the agent. It's never my responsibility. I never, t I always tell them it's going to make your offer more competitive. And the reality is it might be hard to get in the contract, but I'm not going to tell you not to take inspections. I mean, it's not yeah. my duty to tell them to do that. That's, that's totally up to them. Right, 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 right. Again, I like the way you're, the way you're doing this, and and I th I really think uh, I really think our listeners can learn from it. I'm learning from it, and that is, hey, I'm really going to give you my best advice. And at the end of the day, this is your transaction, and 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 I'm here to serve your needs. Um, so here's my advice: you know, take it or don't take it. If you don't take it, we'll still we'll still uh, submit the offer the way you want. Yeah, exactly. And you know, sometimes, especially new buyers. You know, they're not used to an offer going way over asking and they, you know, mm -hmm. they don't, they think maybe you know, they don't want to take the risk. And sometimes it takes a few times mm -hmm. until they learn for themselves. But, you know, I had one, a couple, young couple, first time buyers, they were looking at a place this is a perfect example of why a good agent is important versus just some automated machine that this was a listing of fixer opera. 16, 1,700 square feet in the Sunset District, which is not a super expensive neighborhood for San Francisco. Uh, it was listed at 1.195, uh, needed a gut job. They wanted to, they were, their number they wanted to offer was 1.3, which sounds reasonable, 1.35, 150 over asking, and clean, fast offer. I told them after talking to the agent, there was a 1% chance of them getting in the escrow for that. Um, I basically said, you know, it's going to be in this range. And I, they, they bid in what I thought was the 90th percentile uh, chance of them getting it. And they ended up getting it and were very happy. So, you know, this is, this is advice that only an experienced agent who's out in the field is going to be able to advise on. Right, right, right. Oh, okay. So one of the things too, and I, I, I uh, you know, one of the things I hear you saying a lot of, which I really appreciate, is the is the value that you add as an as an agent. Um, do you have uh, do you have a like a value proposition or even an elevator pitch? So if you know you bump into me and we just meet each other, um, do you say, "Hey, I'm in real estate," or "Here's what I provide," or I go, "Hey, what's different about you?" Do you have a little uh, checklist or something? Well, yeah. I mean, I think for me. You know, first of all, when I meet people, I never lead with that I'm in real estate. You know, it ends up coming up in conversation. It's much more natural. But, you know, if I meet someone in an open house or they're asking about it, they're like, well, why should I use an agent? It's basically that, you know, um, I'm going to save you time. I'm going to get you into contract. I have the agent relationships. I'm going to make sure that you don't underbid, but at the same time, you're not going to overbid. Mm -hmm. I'm going to make sure that you come in at the price that is going to get you into contract without having to spend too much. 
Yeah. Okay. Okay. I get it. Um, yeah. one and also the- market knowledge. You know, you want to know your market inside and out. So I think it's mm-hmm. very important to be able to talk about the history of neighborhoods. You know, I can look at a house and tell you who the architect was, who, who are the neighbors, who lived there in the past, who's the name, who lives in the neighborhood, who lives on the block. What you know, being able to talk about that, especially with people that don't understand the neighborhood, it gives them context, and it also shows that you really know that particular market and neighborhood inside and out. Mm-hmm. And and if you're a if you're a newer agent, how do you gain that information? How do you become? Uh, you know, there's. Expert? I would say do a lot of reading and research. So you know, like for example, South of Market in San Francisco is hurting a little bit more. It's the only area in the city. Uh, that is owned for new development properties. So you have an influx of new units and, you know, there's plenty of info out there telling that you can find out about, you know, X, X building is only 20% sold out. This building is 40% sold out. You know, having that type of knowledge, I mean, this is all online and public record. Having that type of knowledge uh, is, is really invaluable when you're talking to people. It shows that you know what you're talking about. Um, I mean, in terms of where you could get it, I suppose, you know, there's all these different blogs and reading the real estate section and talk, frankly, being out, being out and about. You know, going to, to your broker's tour, a broker's caravan, and talking yeah. to other agents is frankly probably the best way possible. You yeah. know, asking, how's the market in this neighborhood? How's this building? How's that? Um, you know, and, and when you go to open houses on your, you know, broker's opens, talk to the brokers. Introduce yourself if you're a new agent because it comes down to agent relationships. You know, make sure you say, hey, Monica, I'm Justin. I'm a new agent. And then next week you say, hey, Monica, good to see you. Beautiful listing. You know, build relationships with other brokers. It's very important. Uh huh. Okay. That's, that's, that's great. That's great advice. And, and, and I know, you know, real estate really is a contact sport and you're, you know, just, you can't, you can't do it. You can't be a secret agent. You got to be out there. Well, here's, here's, I think the thing with any business, but particularly important as a realtor, you have to add value. How are you think about how are you going to add value to a consumer, to a client when it's obviously they can search on Redfin, Zillow, or Trulia and see every property as soon as it hits the market. They could see the price history and all of this. Like, how are you going to add value? And I think that that is very important. If you can add value, then they're willing to pay for you. If you can't add value and you're just showing them things that are out there and writing up an offer or just doing an open house, I mean, people, people in a competitive market can put it, do a for sale by owner. Like mm-hmm. they don't need an agent. The reason why they need an agent is because I will get them the best. My value is I will get them the best possible market price. I can't promise a price, but I'll get you. I will tee it up by marketing, by, by you know, uh, paying money on marketing, doing creative marketing, by advertising it, by, uh, you know, doing creative open houses. I will add value by doing that. I will tee it up so that you can get the best possible market price, whatever that is. Okay. All right. I love it. I love it. I love it because, uh, you know, again, I'm sort of going back to your, to your value. And I know that realtors experience it all the time that, you know, people come to them with all the things they want to see and they are thinking, you know, why do I need a realtor? So, so this is good stuff. Tell me a bit more. You mentioned, uh, you know, really creative marketing. So, uh, and again, I know you're in a luxury market. A lot of people want to break into a luxury market. What kind of creative marketing are you offering that's different than what everybody else is used to? So I think, you know, I think what's important is, um, well, first off, I would say with all properties, I always have an off-market period where I'll, I'll market it off-market for an exceptionally high price. So, you know, if let's say my clients want to get 1.3, I'll market it for 1.4 off-market. I'll market it as basically the, the ability for your buyer not to compete. 
the buy it now price. You don't have to compete with other buyers. Here's your chance before it goes blasted out to the world. Um, sometimes that works. I would give it a 20% chance that it ends up working and I get it at a normally high price because you know, maybe a buyer has been frustrated, they've lost out, they have a crafty agent, who knows? You know, this is their chance to get in in the property that they like. Um, but creative marketing, I mean, you know, I think it is true to kind of always be in that state of closing. So, uh, you know, whenever you're at a party, whenever you're at a coffee shop, whenever you're at a restaurant, if you meet someone, talk to them, say, oh, I'm in the city. I do, you know, somehow bring up real estate, not in a salesy way. So they know you're an agent. Talk about the market. Everyone loves talking about real estate in the market. Mm -hmm. You know, and constantly be in that mindset, mindset constantly. So it, even if you're at a friend's birthday, like mm -hmm. anyone could be your next buyer. Your dentist could be selling their house. Oh, yeah. um, so the more you envelop yourself in this, mm -hmm. this kind of mindset of always, you're always on and always selling, the more business you'll do. You have to, it, it really is, this is a business that really is 24-7. So you uh -huh. run your own schedule and you don't necessarily have a boss breathing down your neck, but... You know, the more you're always in real estate and always talking about it with people and the more you're in forefront in all of your friends and contacts and acquaintances' minds, the more chances of, of getting business. I mean, I have one client. I met him at the gym. Mm -hmm. You know, I met him at the gym and I've done numerous transactions with him. So again, doesn't matter where it is. And that, that comes down to another good point. I think if you're going to throw a business meeting, maybe don't do it in your office. You know, meet them out for coffee at, Maybe it could be a private club or it could be a restaurant where, you know, uh, a lot of connected wealthy people hang out or, you know, someplace where you're bound to meet people. Maybe it's the Starbucks in Beverly Hills. You know, maybe you want, maybe instead of getting your coffee at home or, or at the corner store or whatever, get it at Starbucks or the coffee shop that's in the middle of, you know, Rodeo Drive. I don't know. Someplace where you know that people with, with means are going to be hanging out because ultimately where, where does your contact list come from? It, it, it's, it's who you're hanging out with. Yeah. So if you want to break into a luxury market, you have to, I mean, to a large extent, it has to be the people you're hanging out with. I mean, a lot of my business, it's not that I'm targeting them. It's that my friends happen to have, they happen to make a lot of money. And so my business and referrals end up being their friends and usually similar means. So if you want to break into that market, start hanging out where those people hang out. Uh, that's great advice. Uh, great advice. And I know I already know uh, from from looking at your social media, following you, seeing some of the stuff that you've done, that you really truly are a master networker. And but, I'm gonna, but I will I'm, say, uh, yeah, I, I just want to say, I will say for me, it's, it's also not a job. Like, I think if I were not in real estate, I would still be socializing because I just, it's just who I am. And I like uh -huh. doing it. And I also personally really like meeting really interesting people and you know not all of those people are wealthy they could be artists they could be the reality is i think a lot of really interesting people surround themselves with really up with other interesting people and you know a lot of those people tend to be really successful whether they're in film or business or 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 government do the math it's worth every single dollar this is a quote from mr bill reek who took my certified listing agent program he says looking to take your listing presentation to the next level listen i've closed a hundred percent of the appointments since i took pat hyben certified listing agent five appointments five new clients in 60 days do the math it's worth every single dollar now you can get the certified listing agent course you can get the certified buyer agent course which tells you how to close every single buyer that calls in if you want them 
You get the certified team agent course, which teaches you how to build a dynamite team like Jeff Cohn, who teaches the course. It's like a 10-hour course from Omaha, Nebraska, Berkshire Hathaway's top agent, and seven other courses. Total of 11 courses, all five-star rated, only 97 bucks a month. If you paid for them individually on the website, they would cost over $10,000. And we are running a special now at futureofrealestatetraining.com where you can get them for $97 a month. That's all you can eat. $97 a month, all these courses. That's futureofrealestatetraining.com. Futureofrealestatetraining.com. Check it out. Rockstar Nation. It is time to finish the year strong. The year is almost over, and it's time to sprint. You know, in my real estate career, I always doubled down at the end of the year because all of the other agents were not working during November and December, so I took full advantage. This is a great time to leverage yourself and hire a virtual assistant. I'm talking about my Outdesk. If you haven't heard of my Outdesk, basically they are a virtual assistant company, a VA company that specializes in virtual assistants for real estate agents. Yeah, I'm talking about transaction coordinators, marketing assistants. I'm talking about ISAs, inside sales agents at prospect, thousands and thousands of seller leads and buyer lead follow-ups. I mean, these guys are trained in this stuff specifically. You're not using a company that doesn't know or understand real estate sales. Four out of five of the top teams in the U.S. use my Outdesk for their virtual assistants. And because I know the owner, Daniel Ramsey, I've known him for over a decade, and I know how awesome and incredible this company is and how it saves agents thousands and thousands of dollars every single week and makes them thousands and thousands of more every single week. We're going to give you a $400 coupon off of your first month of a virtual assistant and give you access and give you a free book entitled Scaling Your Business with Virtual Professionals. So you can like read it and look into it before you decide anything. It's called Scaling Your Business with Virtual Professionals. And you can get it real easy. All you got to do is text the word HIBAN, H-I-B-A-N, to 31996. That's H-I-B-A-N to 31996. And download your free book, Scaling Your Business with Virtual Professionals. And don't forget to mention also that you get a $400 discount, which will give you a coupon for that when you download the book. Thank you, guys. And I hope you enjoy and make a ton of money using my Outdesk. Okay, so you know, I I am not the master networker that you are, but I but I I I definitely have access to rooms with people, you know, with with uh, high net worth, and also, you know, like you say, you can just go and hang out where they are. Now, I I'm very interested if you could tell our listeners. I heard you say you usually don't lead with real estate. How do you? I, and and I also can get into a nice conversation. Now, how do you shift from whatever conversation you're into into a 
purposeful one. And I also heard you say, this links into it, that you're really looking at everyone as a possible client. So how do we well, make that change? Yeah. I mean, it, listen, I, I want to be very clear. It's not that I'm not friends with anyone because they're going to be a potential client. You know, mm -hmm. I'm not going out and meeting people saying, oh, I just want to meet these people because they're a potential client. You have to be yourself. And, mm -hmm. you know, I only hang out with, honestly, I can't pretend to like someone if I don't like them. So mm -hmm. I'm hanging out with people I like. But the difference is, if I think in any industry, if you want to make good contacts, hang out with people who are movers and shakers, and you will meet friends within that circle. Um, the reality is successful people tend to have a certain degree of money. And, um, you know, that's where your network is going to come from. Mm -hmm. So you choose how to spend your time. We only have a certain amount of time in our day. Um, and, you know, you can choose to hang out at the local dive bar or you can choose to hang out at a place where you're likely. I mean, when I was 15 years old, 16 years old, my first job, I walked into a restaurant that I knew was, you know, owned by Gavin Newsom and the Getty family. It, it was like a very regular type spot. It wasn't like a fancy spot. It was like kind of the, the, the neighborhood spot for a lot of these types of people. And I didn't want to work at the restaurant because I wanted to work in the, in the restaurant industry. I want, and I didn't know I wanted to be a realtor then either. I wanted to work there because I knew whatever I wanted to do, whether it was in business or law or whatever the hell I wanted to do, I knew that that was a good place to meet a variety of different types of people. So the uh -huh. key is meeting, going to... I worked there as a host and I was exposed to a variety of different types of people. One, it taught me how to socialize with a variety of types of people because you had all these different types of characters walking in there. Like with real, you know, as a realtor, you're dealing with everybody. Um, and two, I was exposed and got to meet all these different people. And, you know, out of that, you know, I ended up working in Gavin Newsom's office throughout high school. I now know Gavin Newsom, who happens to be the governor of California. Um, and then I met probably many of my friends today, either from there or friends, or friends from there. So, you know, like today when I take a business meeting, oftentimes I'll do it at a place downtown San Francisco that's a private club. Because I know if I do the meeting there, I'm likely to run into other people and then run into their friends. And the chances of me meeting someone who's interesting and super successful there is a lot, it's a much higher probability than having a meeting in my office or something like that. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, you've answered a great question that I had. Uh, you know, I wrote this out just for you was, you know, how do you, how do you, somebody who, you know, is a little uh, unsure of themselves or they're not in that place where you are, how do you break into that market? But, but I'm hearing you say, for example, when you were as young as 15 or 17, when clearly you didn't have the knowledge and skills and everything that you have now, you went to a place where you knew smart, interesting people were going to be frequent. Right. Well, I, I really believe that. I believe that luck is never going to fall in your lap. You have to put your, yourself in a position to be lucky. So if you want, uh, you know, certain opportunities, that's going to come out of putting yourself in a strategic position to, to where you're likely to get lucky. But sitting around and just expecting it to happen is not going to happen. Now, that being said, everybody has their own style. There's plenty of top agents I know who are not social, Mm -hmm. in any way shape or form mm -hmm. um, but everybody has their own style that's the great thing with being a real estate agent there's no one way to be in this business mm -hmm. uh, like there's just there's no one way you can be uh an introvert an extrovert it really doesn't matter um you know i mean i there's there's a top agent i i know in the city and you know they like a lot of these top agents don't necessarily even have great personalities and maybe they target maybe they just work seven days a week put the time and effort into it they pound away at doing mailers. They pound away at doing open houses. 
and they network with estate lawyers, for example, you uh -huh. know, and then they've been doing it for 15, 20 years and boom, they're doing 50 plus million a year. Uh, uh -huh. There's no one way to, do, to be, you know, I mean, there's another guy I know who goes to the opening of a shoebox. He, he goes like every night, like three events and, you know, he's doing half of what maybe that guy is doing. So uh -huh. there's right. no one way to do, you really have to form your own style. Right. You know, it's, it's, there's not, there's not, you know, it's just like being a lawyer. There's plenty of top trial lawyers and they're all different. Not everybody's Johnny Cochran. You right. know, David Bowie's is different than Johnny Cochran. I mean, like, it's about your own style and that's totally okay. Some, some top yeah. agents wear suits and ties. Others wear t-shirts. Yep. Yep. So, so one of the things, if I can distill that down, uh, distilling it down into a couple of little things is number one, I would say, know your superpower. Uh, for lack of a better word, I, I, I use that all the time. Know, know what your superpower is. And just because Justin's superpower is this doesn't mean I have to be right. that in order to be successful. Well, that's but a great point. Yeah, that's a great point. Because the truth is, like, nobody is good at everything. You know, it's like, like, if you're not good at math, don't keep taking the math class. Like, focus on the thing that you're good at. Because if you focus yeah. on the, the subject that you're good at, you're going to excel. Your, your trajectory is just going to go straight up and you're going to surpass and escape everybody. So focus on whatever you're good at, not what other people are good at. It goes back to not comparing yourself to others. Right. You know, it's, I think a lot of people watch these reality shows and they're like, you know, uh, I want to be like Josh Altman because he's tough. Or I want to be like Frederick because, you know, he's doing like everybody has their own style. You're not going to be like anybody else. You're not going to succeed that way. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. If, if the, the main thing, and I know it is said many times, the more effort and time and focus you put into focusing on yourself and your business, the more successful you're going to be. I mean, the reality is, and a lot of it comes with longevity. You know, a lot of agents expect that, you know, oh, I'm going to become an agent and, you know, immediately I'm going to have success. That doesn't happen for everyone. Like a tidy percentage of agents, maybe they have success because they have some certain contacts right away, or maybe they're more experienced with sales from a prior career. And they take off quicker, but you know, for most people, it takes longevity. And the reality is, you know, every year you're going to get better and get more experience, get more referrals and get more repeat business. And if you stick it out, you're going to be successful. Mm -hmm. And let me, let me kind of synthesize a couple of points that you made. And, and one is, um, just to put it into terms for me, let's say that I, I'm, in, you know, I'm in LA, let's say I hang out in Westwood, which is sort of a medium neighborhood. And if I really want to, uh, if I really want to up my game, uh, I'm going to start, I'm going to, I'm going to target a neighborhood. Okay. And I'm going to start hanging out more there. I'm going to take my meetings in a coffee shop there. Hey, I don't belong to a private club because I'm not at that level yet, but I'm going to find a super cool coffee shop in, in Bel Air and, and start working out of there and knowing, well, you know, knowing the people well, there. I mean, yeah. I think if you want to do Bel Air, for example, why don't you just as a rough example, like do your meetings there, start spending your time there, get involved with a charity. Maybe it's like Bel Air Neighborhood Association, or maybe right, it's, right. Uh, you know, there's so many different things. Maybe it's the symphony, or maybe it's the orchestra in Bel Air. I mean, I, I don't know what exists down there, but, you know, get involved with a community organization there, because it's not also, it's not all about, you know, a lot of people make the mis misconception. It's not about just meeting the one person. It's about meeting their friends. Yeah. You know, so you may not get business from that one person you're meeting, but you could get business from their friends or friends of friends. Mm -hmm. and, and so that's really more important than the one person because you're talking about multiple people. So, you know, the world is a very small place. If you get involved with the community in Bel Air and you volunteer your time and you're doing your meetings there, you're going to run into people. And before you know it, you're going to know a lot of people in Bel Air. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, 
maybe rent an apartment there. I don't know, but you don't need to. You don't have to live in the yeah. market. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and I'm, I'm just. Um, it, it's cool how all of your advice kind of kind of works together because. So now you know. Hey, I, I, I'm not a luxury agent. I want to break into that market. I would select based on what you're saying. I would select the market. One of the reasons why I'm going to do. I'm going to hang out there. One of the reasons. Another reason I'm going to do that is because the thing you said before is really be an expert in that area. Um, right. You add value, add value in all you do. If you don't add value, you're not worthy of their business. That's just the reality. Like mm -hmm. being a nice guy and knowing them is not worthy of getting someone's business. Everyone knows a realtor. So add value to their life. Maybe that is in the form of knowing everything about the neighborhood. Maybe you're publishing a newsletter all about the neighborhood, not just the sales, but you know, recent developments, maybe politics affecting the neighborhood mm -hmm. or, you know, who knows, like provide value. Right. And know, so, so really get that deep knowledge and, and know that area uh, yeah. well and spend, and spend time there for sure. Yeah. Listen, I once went to, on a showing and I'm not going to name these people. They're, they're both, both of these people, I think are definitely, they're probably both top five agents in LA. <laughs> and one of them, I just happened to be on the showing, long story. One of them was showing, Kate brought a buyer to show his client this house for like 35 million this listing agent was there. The listing agent knew everything about not just the house. He knew who lived across the street, who lived next door, who the next door neighbor was here, who lived here before, who built the house, who was the architect. This section of Bel Air was, or Beverly Hills was better because of that, this, that. The other agent, they asked the, the his client said, you know, what's, this, what's the size of the lot? He didn't even know. He had to look at his iPad. So, you know, I mean, by the end of the meeting, that client had asked in front of his own agent, asked for the other guy's info in front of him right. and said, do you mind if I get, and like, who knows? I asked, you know, maybe he wanted the co-list, who knows? But the point is, like, the client wants, expects you to have the info. If, you know, like be well-researched and know your product inside and out, that's providing value. If you can't provide value, you're really useless. And I, and I, I know for sure that uh, you could be a stranger to the market um, and, and I believe pretty quickly you could become an expert by doing the things you said, by going to the broker's opens, by, uh, by meeting the agents, that sort of thing. Um, do you, what other ways do you uh, get business other than just what, maybe, maybe what's your top way of getting business other than just sort of your sphere of influence thing? So, I mean, open houses, Mm -hmm. open houses are the best way to get business if you're a new agent because and obviously where you do the open house is going to dictate the type of client you're getting so if you could do an open house that's you know price three million you're going to get clients looking in the three to four million dollar range if you're going to do an open house that's five hundred thousand you're going to get new buyers looking in yeah. five hundred thousand so but you know not just holding an open house and a sign-in sheet like mm -hmm. that is a waste of your time mm -hmm. <laughs> like mm -hmm. if you want to get business you know you have to subtly do it in a conversational way and show value. If you show value, then you've reeled them in and got their information and then they're a potential client. And then it's a numbers game. So for example, if you're doing an open house, you know, come up to them. So oh, do you live in the neighborhood? Are you relocating? Where are you from? Uh, what are you looking for? What price point? Oh, cool. Well, if you want, I can keep an eye out. I, I, I actually, maybe you, you can say, uh, you know, you saw, you have a couple listings in mind. Did you see such and such? It's actually off market. I know about it. I'm happy to send info to you if you'd like. Mm -hmm. Or, oh, I see 10 off markets a week on average. And there's a couple that I have in mind. I'd be happy to email them over to you. Get their info. You know, don't have them do a sign-in sheet. Get their info. Engage them in conversation. Show value. If you show value like that, 
I'd say one in 10 will work out as a client. Wow, that's amazing. And I, and I think we'll, we'll, we'll have the, I'll have our producer go through with the show notes on that one because you're, you're, you're giving us such great stuff. I can't write it down that fast, but those were, that was a great dialogue and an open house. So, so let me ask you this. Do you do anything to get an open house? What if I'm an agent and I, and I, and you know, I'm in the $500,000 range, but I, I want to do a $3 million yeah. uh, open house. How do I do that? So listen, I mean, I think, you know, the new kind of structure for a lot of newer agents and senior agents are these teams. So a lot of newer agents now, rather than starting out on their own, like I had to do, a lot of them are joining these teams. You know, most established agents now have their own logos, their own branding. They're creating their own brokerage within a brokerage. And so newer agents will join the team. And oftentimes the team will have listings that they need somebody on their team to mm-hmm. hold an open house for. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's obviously in their best interest because if their team member does a deal, they're going to get a cut anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, that's probably the best thing. If you're a new agent, try to join, try to join a big team with a senior agent who you can one, learn from, who can train you and who can give you access to, you know, that's an important thing. Say, well, I have access to open houses here and there. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So that's a great, that's a great criterion to uh, think about when you join a team, because as you, as you've identified open house, a great way uh, to get new business. So you might, before you join a team, ask <laughs> what kind of open houses could I, could be available to me. Correct. Yeah. And also, you know, doing open houses, it takes practice. So it's not, you're not going to be as polished right away, but come up with a rough script that just reels them in by showing value. If you show value and you have something potentially to send to them, they're more likely to give their information versus just giving their information. Right. Okay. And I love, I also love the tip you gave about, you know, Hey, here's a sign in sheet, you know, to actually get that information directly and to get it in the context of not, Hey, I'm collecting your information because I'm giving you the opportunity. So I, I actually don't like the sign in sheet. I'll usually just take it on my phone. You know, I'll say, oh, here, why don't you write down, let me take your info, your email and name and number. Mm-hmm. It just seems more, it seems less formal and more conversational versus them just signing out a generic sign-in sheet. And, and they don't know what you're engaged. doing with their info. More yeah, engaged, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, I, I like it. That's great, that's, that's great. Other than, uh, other than open houses, is there any other way uh, to get uh, advice you can give to get business for new, newer agents? Well, I mean, obviously I was on the show and stuff, but the reality is being forefront in people's minds when they think about real estate. So I think having a blog and having your, your contact list mm-hmm. and giving them, again, a blog with value. Don't just send them you know, the generic brokerage chart showing the market. Like everyone knows that's bullshit. Like nobody wants to see it. It's just spam. Uh-huh. But send them something like, you know, maybe you're talking about, like maybe you're trying to specialize in new developments downtown LA. Send them like a whole thing that you've hit, written that compiles data talking about how the market is in downtown LA, the new buildings coming up, the ones that are selling out, the ones that are supposed to be the best. You know, maybe you're doing a ranking order, something that they're going to find interesting to read. And if you do something like this, let's say once a month, um, it's going to keep your mind is going to come up when they think about real estate. So when they think about you, you on, oh, Justin, oh, the realtor, that's what you want. They, you, don't, you want them to always think about when they see you the first thing they should ask is about real estate because they look at you as the real estate person. Got it. Got it. Okay. Um, and, and again, it's, it's just very, it's, it's very interesting how a lot of your advice uh, comes, comes back to this, this, this interesting thing of, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to sort of target an area. Maybe I'm selling uh, in, in an area that's a little lower priced. I'm going to target 
maybe one or two areas that are higher priced, and I'm going to go mix it up over there. I'm going to, I'm going to start meeting over there. I'm going to learn about it. Maybe I'll start adding some. And I also like your point about always adding value. So, you know, to our listeners, what value are you going to be able to add and offer? And then when you ask for that number, instead of, hey, just sign in, you're going to like, hey, here's a piece of information right. I can send you, right? Well, well, even, you know, I have an intern right now, and I get a lot of people reaching out all the time, you know, oh, I'm new, really, I want to intern, can I meet with you? And there's, like, if you're not going to add value and do something other than saying you want an internship, like, I'm just going to, you know, it's like something I don't even want to deal with, I don't have time. This particular intern, I took on, and I didn't, wasn't looking for an intern, but he added value. He wrote an entire thing about himself and why he would be good. I liked the fact that he talked about his mixed experiences. You know, he's on like a rent board in Berkeley. He, he's like a history major, uh, but he has interest in politics and he wants to be a real estate agent because he likes architecture and how that could be really useful. And then his zoning policy. And then he interned at like in the past at like a data company and that could become useful. Like show me some value. And really that was the first one that I had any interest in. They, oh, I would actually, uh, that I met with him and hired simply because I like, well, he's showing value. That's someone that could, that I think would be really interesting to work with and someone who could add value to my team versus just telling me, you know, you're a new real estate agent, you want an internship. Same thing if you want to work on a team, add value. Why, are, why should you work on that team in Bel Air? You know, yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe your value is you've done all the research, you're the data person, you, you know the history about everything in the entire thing and you want to, you want to maintain that for the whole team. You know, maybe mm -hmm. you're going to create a really good blog and you're going to do that for the team. Maybe that's part of your value add to the team. But I'm sure all those successful, those big teams, they have people all the time asking to be on their team. I mean, what's oh, going to yeah. set you apart? Yeah, yeah. And it's that's, the same thing. Why are they going to hire you to sell their house over exactly. their yep. Yep. friends or aunts or anybody else? In all things, you have to add value. If you're not going to add value to someone else, you don't, you know, you're not going to be successful comparing your numbers or something to someone else. You have to mm -hmm. focus on adding value. One of the things I heard you say was that you, uh, you're outsourcing your marketing to sort of best in class. Now I know you work on your own and, 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 and you're, in fact, you're at your own brokerage firm. Now, why not go to a big brokerage firm that say, says, Hey, well, Hey, Justin, you just sell real estate. We'll do all your marketing for you. So I, I've been with like five different brokerages from the start. I don't know, maybe my standards are a lot higher, but from the start, I, I have never been satisfied remotely with the level of service I was receiving for the amount of money I was paying in turn. And I also realized that I never got lead gen. So why am I advertising someone else's brand when I don't own the brand? And like, I just don't need it. Now, now certainly this isn't for everybody, you know, and I think if you're starting out as an agent, um, you know, it's important to get the proper training from a company that can provide the proper training. Sure. Uh, but I think at a certain level, you know, I mean, listen, I've been with like, I was at a company that's part of Compass. I was at Sotheby, a couple of Sotheby's. I was at a couple of boutiques. All of them, I had one point or another, I had to wait for things to be put on my website. I had to wait for the transaction coordinator. I was paying a lot of money out of my commission to wait for services. When I went off on my own, I have a TC that's virtual that I outsource. Oh. She does, she's, First of all, she's less expensive and I get like, I would say five times the output and it's on time. I outsource my flyers instead of using someone else's template that looks like everyone else's stuff. I outsource my marketing material. I have a copywriter. Uh, they're based in Silicon Valley and they do the same stuff for the number one agent in Northern California. Uh -huh. So, I mean, I find that outsourcing to people that specialize in these specific things 
it's a lot better than going to a company that frankly is servicing hundreds of other agents mm. and where I have to wait in line. And on top of that, have to pay to wait in line. You know, I, I think it's been a big issue for me. And that brings me to my next thing. I'm actually working on something that I'm not ready to talk about now, but we just closed our, our seed funding and um, we'll be launching in January. Oh, that's cool. So, so yeah, uh, I'd love to come back and talk about that. Yeah, right. That'll give us a chance to, uh, to check back in with you. Uh, for yeah. Sure. But, but I mean, I think, I think that the landscape has changed for the way the brokerage business has changed a lot. And, you know, this isn't, there are no walk-ins anymore in a real estate office and right. people search on Street Easy and Redfin and Zillow and truly they're not going to Sotheby's to search for a fancy home anymore. I mean, that was still their pitch when I was there. People around the world go to Sotheby's to search for a house. Well, that's just not true anymore. Mm -hmm. um, so I think the landscape has changed and I think the brokerage industry hasn't quite caught up with that. Uh-huh. Right, 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 right. And, and I, I like the way I, I, I gather from what you're saying is that because some of these are fancy brands, you know, and, 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 and you know, agents will ask me all, that all the time. And that's like, oh, well, hey, I'm at brand X. You know, if I go to Sotheby's, because that's a fancy, that's, that's face it, that's a fancy name. Okay. So it's a fancy name. It's a great brand name. Not denying that. But you have to ask yourself if you're at Sotheby's, in San Francisco, to get an 85% split at Sotheby's, you have to make 625000 in a single year. Mm -hmm. And that's just for that year. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's a lot of money to be still giving away, not just 15%, but more like 20% of your commission because you also have admin fees on top of that. You have to ask yourself if that Sotheby's brand is getting you the business that's going to make up for that 20%. Mm -hmm. Well, I love, I love how... Um you know, I love how uh, certain and assured you are of yourself, um, and 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 I, I mean that in the I mean that in the best possible way because, you know, one of the reasons why I think that and if you're getting value at a place like Sotheby's, I think you should stay there. Absolutely, I agree. And and by the way, it's not like some people are. And you know, obviously, if you're in that top one percent of agent nationally, you can be a lot more picky and. You know, maybe you're getting marketing money. Maybe you're getting a locked-in split that other people aren't. You know, there's all these different services. Maybe maybe you're, the owner is super connected and they're handing you some new developments. I mean, who knows? But for the bulk of agents, I don't yeah. think that those brands are a great fit anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, I get that. And I, and I love the way that uh, you're, you're sort of positioned this as, you know, even when you said luck doesn't kind of fall into your lap, that's a, it, it, it sounds very much the same. It seems like a different conversation, but to me, it's the same. It's like, well, well, business is not going to fall into my lap if I go to brand X or brand Y. No. And I think a lot of people assume, oh, I'm going to get it because I'm at Sotheby's. It's never going to happen. Yeah. But you can harness a brand, and there's no question Sotheby's is a great luxury brand, but you're not going to get business just because you're with Sotheby's. The reality yeah. is it's all how you pitch it. Listen, I mean, I'm on my own. Most people are not on their own. When I won a listing appointment for a $6 million place, mm -hmm. you know, in the last few months, and they were, I was competing against the number two agent in the city who's with Sotheby's, who's a great agent. I won that because, frankly, my, here's my value pitch when I go in. The money that I would be paying to a brokerage otherwise, I reinvest into the marketing of my properties. Um, so for example, instead of using a template that other people are going to use at Compass for their flyers and brochures, mm. I'm having a custom designed brochure for your property down to the paper, down to the style of the font, down to the copywriting. That's very expensive for me to do, but it doesn't look like a template. 
It looks mm -hmm. like a much better product than you're going to get from any template, whether it's from Sotheby's or Compass. Um, like it looks expensive and it's, it's more emblematic and represents the property better. Um, so my value proposition is I was with those companies, but now I customize everything to your property. That's, mm -hmm. that's my value proposition from the flyers to the marketing, uh, to spending more on my listings, everything is customized. And also I don't have to wait in line to ask for things or to get things done. Mm -hmm. Like it's, I, I have a much quicker process. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's all how you pitch things. You know, if you're with yeah. Sotheby's, then pitch it. Well, you know, we're affiliated with the auction house. You know, we're, we're lo top luxury brand. I mean, anything can be pitched. So if you want to say that Sotheby's is going to get your business, sure, if you want to pitch it that way, you can make yourself believe that, but you can pitch anything anyway. And the reality is the client in the end of the day is going to hire you because of you, period. Yes. They're not going to hire you because of the company. Yeah, yeah, I love it. And, and today's episode, you know, has really been packed with those things that you can add. Where is the value add? And I, I, about I value. Yep, yeah, I love that. I've got a lot, you know, and, and I, I can't wait to, to look at the show notes, you know, and I'm, I'm going to go through, just like you're, you're customizing your thing, I'm going to go through the show notes myself along with all the notes that I've taken, and I'm going to make sure that our audience hears the, the different, the way that you differentiate yourself from another, uh, from another agent on a listing and then also uh, to a buyer. Yeah. Yes. And, and I, I wonder, and maybe this is, maybe the answer is this is your new product and you know, but if there was sort of a magic bullet to handle one pain point for you in your business, what would, what would that be? Magic pain point. I mean, I think that agents are overloaded with technology. You know, there's a lot of companies that are saying, oh, we're building all this tech. We're spending millions of dollars on tech. Here's the reality of the situation. Agents are salespeople. They need to be out and about selling. These are not, by and large, a bunch of tech savvy people. And frankly, even if they are, they don't want to have their head buried in a bunch of logins. Like if you're going to provide 10 different logins or a dashboard with 10 different things, Frankly, the agent is going to revert back to not using any of them and using their notepad or their phone. It's too much. Like, give me something that's easy and simple to use. Otherwise, don't give it to me at all. That's the whole point of technology is to make your life easier, not for me to, to one, make my life more difficult, but two, be a headache. And if, if, if I need to take six hours to learn your, your technology, I'm not going to use it. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so interesting. So, so, uh, so what I hear you saying there is that, is that, you know, technology to the extent that it really uh, shortens the process or makes it easy, that's okay. But just everybody saying, hey, technology is a buzzword, even with you and you're in Silicon Valley, you know, you, you want, you believe that your value is in that personal touch. It's all in the personal touch. It's a relationship-based relationship, relationship business. You know, if you, again, like tech tools are great. But if it doesn't make my life easier and you're giving me 10 different logins, no one's going to use it. Mm -hmm. that's, just, that's just a pain in the ass. And I think a lot of these companies are misinterpreting why technology is important and how it can improve your life as an agent. They yeah. think by merely having it and having a staff of engineers that that is going to you know, change the game, but it simply isn't. Yeah, I resonate. I resonate with all the things you said today. Uh, you know, you asked me before the show started, where do I live? Santa Monica. I've been in real estate for 25 years. And uh, just the other day, I saw the number one agent in Santa Monica across the street. He does not work for my firm, 
we know each other well. And I, you know what I did? I ran across the street to that guy. I go, hey, you know, tell me about like what's going on and what's up with that house. And, you know, because even though I live here mm-hmm. and I'm in the industry, this guy actually knows more about which house is selling for what and what's going right. on in the market. And, oh, I just had one fall out. I'm, well, I'm well yeah, that. that's exactly right. I think also, you know, agents, I think because we in general work for ourselves more or less. Yeah. You know, it's easy for us to think, well, we're made a lot of money and we're driving a fancy car and, you know, to kind of get a big ego and think that you're more important than you are. The reality is that is only going to hurt yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, there's always people to learn from and people who know stuff that you don't know. And, you know, you're just going to turn off other people. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. Okay. Well, let me, let me just say this. I wonder, you know, so many people before we have a unique opportunity to have you on and, 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 and I love it. We'll definitely have you on again. Uh, but you know, I'm, I'm going to have a lot of, uh, I'm going to have a lot of viewers and listeners that are going to want to know, Hey, what's it like to be on million dollar listing? Like get, Hey Paul, get to the, get to the point. We want to hear this. Yeah. What was it like? Well, you know, reality TV is not really reality. It does. And I've been to the set of the New York show and the LA show as well. Um, none of it is really reality, but, um, you know, in a, it's, it's, it's really fun. Who doesn't like having a lot of attention on themselves? Um, but it is great for business. You'd be surprised how many legitimately really successful people watch Bravo and oh, Million yeah. Dollar Listing just because it's entertaining. Uh, but like, take this stuff seriously. I mean, oh. I had one client... I had one client hire me from solely because of the show. I had no mutual friends. He worked at one of the biggest tech companies in the world, um, came from another big tech company, called me just because of the show. I listed his house, sold it in one week for a million dollars more than he paid. Then represented him buying an even more expensive house for close to $7 million, sold that six months later, helped him with his referral when he moved, and he ended up founding probably one of the biggest companies that's out there today. So, uh, and he lives in SoCal. So, you know, that's solely because of the show. So, you know, reality TV is, well, look at our president. If it weren't for The Apprentice, he he would not have been president of the United States. It's amazing the power of television. Um, I was only on there, you know, not nearly for as long as, you know, these people on New York or LA. Um, So I can't imagine the, the, the boost that they're getting from that after, you know, 10 years or nine years, but, it's a really powerful tool. But that being said, you know, YouTube is the new TV. And, you know, I'm seeing a lot of agents doing vlogs now, and it's the new popular thing to do, and I highly recommend it. I mean, like, everybody, everybody can do their own media now. This is why agents have their own brands now, because mm-hmm. they brand themselves on Instagram, on Facebook, on YouTube, and, you know, have a blog. Maybe have a show like you're doing, you know, maybe it's, a, maybe it's a podcast like you're doing. Maybe it's a Maybe it's an interview show. Maybe it's, you know, looking at the, the hottest new listing. You know, have a blog and then distribute that to your network. So you have your own reality show of sorts within your uh-huh. sphere, of, sphere, of in, sphere of influence. It doesn't have to be on a major news network. And by the way, these major channels are losing viewers all the time because people don't watch oh. live TV anymore. Oh, yeah. So um, this really this more YouTube. I mean, if you talk to young people today, I have friends with kids. Like, their kids don't watch TV. They're watching YouTube. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. How do I avoid? So now I'm going to run out and do my own YouTube channel. I think that's a great idea. How do I avoid being like the boring guy on YouTube that nobody listens to? 
I mean, maybe, you know what? I mean, honestly, maybe hire a production company and a director. I mean, it could cost money, but it's, in, it's investing in your business. If people spend thousands on mailers, maybe spend that on, try it out, experiment. Maybe it'll work, maybe it won't, but maybe hire a local production company. Maybe it's a film school student can kind of help you do something creative and entertaining uh-huh. and then get maybe some entertaining guests on the show. You know, uh-huh. ask them about, maybe you can interview someone about their, their maybe an architect or, you know, I don't know, find creative ways to be entertaining. Well, what do people want to watch? So, you know, I've seen people come out with really creative marketing videos for their houses that are really entertaining to watch. You know, I think that more, more and more, this media, this video media is going to become more and more popular with agents as a branding tool. You don't have to have your own reality show on Bravo to do it, to, to be on top of people's minds and to distribute media content. Yeah. And, so, and by the way, uh, you know, some of those people in the show are at the top, 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 top of their game. There is, in most cases, agents in all of those cities that are bigger and quieter than any of the people on those shows and who wow. didn't come from money or didn't come from, you know, a super connected background, but who made it themselves. I mean, I know agents in LA, they're, you know, the number one, number two, number three agents are, are not on reality t- television shows, oh, you yeah. know, and they're, they're, they're killing it. They're probably doing double at least the business that any of those guys are doing. Yeah. 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 How, how much of it is like the producers uh, cutting it weird or, are they, are they telling you like, oh, make sure, you know, are they creating little controversy? I mean, reality TV would be a waste of time for them, a waste of money if they followed you around with a video camera. It doesn't work mm-hmm. that way. You, know, you have kind of set dates, set places, and it's stop and go. Other than that, I don't want to ruin anybody's dream. <laughs> so, but I mean, that's kind of the structure of it. I've had friends on there who have, let's just put it this way, those transactions are long closed. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I get that. One, you know, one comment, and then you know, and, and then uh, then I'll maybe ask you another question. We'll wrap because I could go on and on with you for sure. One comment is, you know, you talked about like a piece of business that you got that turned into a bunch more business that you got just because of the show. And having spent this time with you, uh, I, I'm almost going to disagree with you and say that you got the contact with that client by being on that show but that you did a great job with that, with that person in order to win them over. And that's why they used you for. Uh, <clears throat> well, that's, de- that's definitely true. I mean, you know, listen, it's again, all these things will help, but you have to pitch them and use them the right way. And, and then frankly, I got the show initially because someone writing a social blog put my name into it uh-huh. when they were approached by casting. And I got that, you know, by putting myself in being social in the first place. So uh-huh. again, luck is not going to fall in your lap. You have to put yourself in the position of being lucky. I don't know anybody who's one big at the lotto. <laughs> so, um, you know, put yourself in the position of being lucky and whether it's a reality show or whether it's this or whether it's that, something's going to fall down. So you're going to get opportunities come your way. And by yeah. the way, there's always opportunities. You can't look at someone and say, Damn, you know, uh, like, he, screw him. He's got a reality show. You know, Josh Altman is a reality show. He's just getting business because of the show. Well, everybody has different opportunities. He may have gotten that opportunity, but I guarantee you, if you put yourself in a position to be lucky and to meet the right people, you'll get opportunities he won't be, he won't be getting. And Absolutely. it's all about how you take advantage of those opportunities. And there's yeah. always more opportunities. It's not a one-stop pony. Yeah, I love it. I, I, love, your, I love your expansive mindset and uh, you know, knowing that people look at the show and go, hey, well, if I could be on that show, I'd have that business. Well, there's a lot of people with better business, right? 
There's a lot of people. I mean, I, I'm fuck. I know these. This. This. Uh, I know the Williams and Williams team in LA. I mean, they they sell a hundred plus million dollar house or or multiple of them a year. Yeah. And they just sold a house for ninety four million. They sold one for one hundred and twenty last year. I mean, they don't have any reality show. Yeah. You know, and they and they have to. Brendan Williams totally has his own style. You know, he's yeah, not yeah. buttoned up with a tie. Like there is no way. There's no specific style to do this business. You don't have to be the tough guy driving the fancy car. There is no specific style. You choose right. your own style, and then you go after it with conviction and confidence, and you provide value in some way, and you'll carve out great business for yourself. What, uh, what is a piece of advice you would give yourself? All the things that you know now, you look back at Justin as a brand new agent. What's one piece of advice you would give the new agent? It's you. If I were a brand new agent, I would have found a someone to really be mentored by initially. Like, don't worry about making, don't worry about making the money in the beginning. Like, find an agent who's successful, who you respect, who's very good. They don't have to be the biggest, biggest agent because the reality is the biggest, biggest agent probably doesn't have a lot of time for you. Like, find an agent who's really successful, who's been doing it a long time, who knows how to pick business up in an open house, who's a hustler. Maybe it's a younger guy. Who's doing really well has been doing it, you know, shadow them and work for them. And even if you have to split your deals for them with six months, like do it because you're going to learn a lot and that's going to be invaluable for your whole career. That's mm -hmm. going to set you up for success and accelerate your career a lot faster when you go off on your own versus mm -hmm. starting out on your own and trying to, you know, you're just going to learn a lot more. I mean, there's doing an open house is a, is a learning technique, picking up business in an open house. You can't just do it on just wiggle your way through it unless Again, you know, you have come from like another career where you've been in a sales background and very successful. That's obviously going to give you a leg up. Uh huh. And I and you know, what I'm going to do. I'm going to give Justin said that to he would give advice to himself as a brand new agent to get with somebody that's really going to mentor him and 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 show him the ropes. Not about how much money he's going to make right away, but what he's going to learn. And Justin, I'm going to give you your own advice. Okay, this is what I learned from Justin today of how to get that mentorship. Okay. Because the number of people that are going to go up to somebody like Justin and say, hey, Justin, I, I, you know, I want you to mentor me. Okay? When you're Justin or when you're me, I hear that as, uh, okay. Now, if somebody came to Justin and said, hey, what could I do to earn the right to, to learn from you? Or, or I have this idea that I'm going to provide these three things of value to you. Maybe you need them, maybe you don't. But if you don't, tell me what is of value so yeah. I can provide value to you so that it makes sense to, to mentor me. Well, and by the way, it's the same thing with networking. I have one friend, and he is an unbelievable networker. And, you know, what he does is provide value. You know, you can go out there and just meet people, but if you don't provide value, nobody cares about you. It's just the truth. Like, it's a social contact. You know, yes. if, you, if, you, if you, this guy, you know, he'll meet someone. He, he, he goes out and meets everyone, then he'll meet someone, let's say they're a filmmaker, and then he'll, who's doing a science movie, who's in Hollywood, like a well-known filmmaker. He'll go to like a film festival, meet a famous filmmaker, and then he'll say, oh, my friend so-and-so, who's a technology billionaire in Silicon Valley, screens films, and he has an interest in science. Uh, he'd probably be interested in screening your film. Let me ask him. Then he'll go to the assistant of the billionaire and say, my friend... Once he had just met this guy, my friend who's a famous filmmaker in Hollywood just did a movie. Would you like to screen it? Of course, because the person wants to hang out with the famous film director and the film director wants to hang out with a billionaire and boom, he's added value. And now guess who's invited to the party every time. So okay. yeah, yeah. You know, again, 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 like provide value in your networking. That is how you're going to be a successful networker.
I love it. Okay, so thank you so much for your time. I could go on and on and on, and I'm getting the signals that we're uh, we're 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 right on time to end here. If I had to if I had to subtext this whole entire interview, and I and I love it. It's uh, it's about adding value, and that's not that's just the subtext because the rest of it is how to add value, which is so important. And you identified as one of the best ways to get business is an open house. So hybendigital.com forward slash your full name. And, and Justin, will you, will you spell it out for us uh, uh, kind of slowly? Sure. Justin, J-U-S-T, last name Feichelson, F like Frank, I-C-H-E-L-S-O-N. Okay, that's awesome. And uh, we will also, I've checked out your social media, which is very impressive. And we will link to all of your social media. Uh, Justin's a guy, when I get off the call, I'm going to uh, follow him for sure. Because one of the things that, that uh, is a great way to really improve what you're doing quickly is find somebody out there that's doing what you want to do at a very high level and you can learn from them. Justin's not afraid of that because, hey, I'm in, I'm in L.A. I'm not selling in San Francisco or, or I have a really good friend that sells a lot in Omaha. He's not in San Francisco or L.A. He can look at that. He can look at your Instagram and your YouTube and, and, uh, and learn a lot from it. So thank you so much for, uh, for joining us at Real Estate Rockstars. Looking forward yeah, thanks to, for having me. Yeah, looking forward to hearing about your new stuff, and we'll have you on again. Yeah, I'd love to come back and talk about it. Okay. Thanks a lot. Appreciate Thanks it. Thanks a lot. Thank you. As a member of the Rockstar Nation, you may have noticed that every guest that comes on the show now is required to bring with them a free tool, an item of utility that real estate agents can use to drastically increase their sales and profits. Some of the things that have been brought have been ebooks, forms, reports, negotiating techniques, hiring guides, postcards, checklists, open house secrets, newsletters that are sent out, sphere of influence forms, referral request forms, and the list goes on and on. If you would like to get this free toolbox full of items of utility, simply go to hybendigital.com backslash toolbox. That's hybendigital.com backslash toolbox or simply text toolbox to 444-999. That's toolbox to 444-999. Rockstar Nation, thank you for listening to Real Estate Rockstars. Listen, I need a favor. If you find this free content helpful, if you find our downloadable items from each guest helpful, please, I need you to pull out your pointing finger, yes, the one finger that points at people, and hit subscribe. Yes, subscribe. The more subscribers we get, the better we look in the ratings and the easier it is to get guests like Robert Kiyosaki, Barbara Corcoran, all the players that are on a million dollar listing in the different cities. All that stuff makes it easier the more subscribers we get. So please subscribe. And listen, there's a lot of places you can leave comments. There's a lot of places you can like. We're on Facebook. We have an Instagram page. Instagram page is I am Pat Hyben. The Facebook is Real Estate Rockstars Radio. 
feel free to leave us comments there. The most popular form of commenting seems to happen on YouTube. Yes, for whatever reason, it's a very open environment. So just go to YouTube and go to Real Estate Rockstars Radio and leave us comments there. Some of them we will read on the show. And we love your feedback. So thanks, guys, and I hope you are having a great day. Oh, and also, listen, if you're going to subscribe and you haven't already left us a, a review on iTunes, please do that, too. Have a great day, and thanks so much, Rockstar Nation. I really appreciate you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.